this message quickly. I will get you out in time to beat the Baptist to lunch, I promise. If you want to read more in depth, I prepare notes every week, and they will be right here. Men, as you're leaving, a thank you to all of our fathers. Take one, take two. You can't have Father's Day without moon pies. They're over here to the right. As you're leaving, grab yourself a moon pie. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 11. I will guide you in the way of wisdom, and I will lead you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. We want to prepare ourselves for this lesson. Moms, we love you, and our heart goes to you, and we are so thankful for your nourishment and your kindness and the grace that you give us. Fathers, thank you for what you do, but our job is never over. We have children to protect. We have families to protect. We raise our kids in the ways of the Lord so that they won't stumble when they run. And we want to equip them to run. Now, before we get started, we need to recognize two things. One... I know there are a few of you here with grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I know there are a few of you moms out there that play the role or do the role as father. The message today is directed towards our dads, but if you lead your family, listen to these words. Listen to what the Lord has given me. You were not left out. You are not forgiven. God bless the mothers that have to play both roles. But dads, I want to talk to you this morning. Grandparents, it's not too late to continue to guide your children. The first thing that we have to notice, that we have to know, that we have to understand is look around us. We're in a crazy world. We're paying $47,000 a gallon for gas right now. There are men that think there are women, and there are women that think they're men. We live in a crazy, crazy world, but don't think it's happening by accident. The devil is the author of confusion. Hillsong Church, covering up a bunch of mess they're doing. The Southern Baptist Convention is under attack right now. Rightfully so, for the things that they're doing. Churches are, churches are not separating themselves from the world like they should be. And it's not every church, and it's not even most churches. But we see it in the news. Even our churches, especially our churches, are being attacked. I want to share something with you that you might not know. I had to sign off on a document this week to ensure the United Methodist Church for us to disaffiliate, you know what they asked us to do or commanded or made us do so we could have the deed to our property? They said we have to have sexual misconduct insurance on our pastors. Shame on them. If you're watching, shame on you. We live in a crazy world, but it's a strategy by the devil. Who watched in the 19, I hope it's the 80s, who watched in the 1980s Top Gun? Well, there's a new one that came out. It's the sequel to that. It's really good, and it's actually good to bring your whole family. But one of the things that, that uh, Tom Cruise did, and I know he's not a Christian, he's one of those funny science guys, but 
one thing he did in the movie was he held a manual up to their fighter jet. And he said, I'm not going to train you on this because you should already know it. He's talking to the best of the best of the best pilots. He says, I'm not going to train you on this because you should already know it. But more importantly than you know it, you better well know that your enemy knows this too. Who knows that the devil knows scripture? We must prepare ourselves. Matthew 4, 5, and 6. Chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city talking to Jesus. And he, ha and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command the angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands. So they will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, we know that, the, that Jesus had no, had no tolerance for this, and we know how that story ends. But what I want you to realize from this scripture is the devil, the enemy, knows scripture. So we have to be vigilant. The devil also knows, just like any good strategic warrior, and I know we have some Marines in here and some others, that the strongest, the best way to attack your enemy is by striking their foundation. Men, what are the foundations of our family? It is our family. So my question this morning is, what are you building? As I talk to men, as I talk to dads, grandfathers, and, and even women that are fighting the fight, men... What are you building? Today I want to very quickly, and please refer to my notes, because we're going to fly through this and only stop at a few certain parts that I really want to emphasize, but we're going to cover the seven principles of a biblical family. I want to encourage you this morning to focus all of your energy on having a biblical family. Next slide. Jules is running cameras back there, too, so thank you, son. Um, number one, this is the obvious one. Marriage is between one man and one woman. Genesis 2.24 says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This verse sets forth the biblical pattern for marriage as instituted by a man and a woman. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. You know what I could say because you also watch the news. That's hogwash, and that is an attack against the foundation of our family. Amen. To reemphasize this, Jesus, now this is really neat. When Jesus teaches, he not only teaches from his Father, from the Word of God, but he goes into the Old Testament. See, who knows the book better than its author? He says in Matthew 19, 4 and 5, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning of, crea of the Creator, in the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be unified with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now let me ask you, do I need to, do I need to address this any further? Is everybody clear that marriage is between one man and one woman? Okay, great, great, moving right, <laughs> amen. 
Moving right along, the husband is the head of his wife called to love and shepherd his family. That is principle number two. We are the head of our families. Now there's two scriptures I want to make reference to to support this, but also dive just a little bit deeper. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. And I hope you can flip quickly. A lot of ground to cover in a little bit of time. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Peter goes on to share how we as men should treat our wives and this is just as important as the rest of it. 1 Peter 3, 7, chapter 3, verse 7, says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The last part of that, so your prayers may not be hindered. Men, we are the head of of the house. We are the head of our women. We're going to talk more about that in just a second, but it's immediately important to realize that, that we treat our women in a certain manner, that we treat our women like Christ treats his sheep, how Christ treats us. We do not rule things by an iron thumb we rule our house with understanding and compassion. Amen? Yes. Teresa, there's some dishes that we haven't finished yet. If you can get to that when we get home. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Now, the, the, uh, the, the other thing is, is men, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are pastors. Every father in this house, every man in this house that is over a family is a pastor. And we were told that we are to pastor our family. So does our pastor point to someone that serves under us and says, you do this or you do that? No, the best pastors that have ever been around operate on servant leadership. Men, serve your wives. Men, serve your wives. You are tasked to protect them no matter what. Your family is your flock. Your family is also the ultimate small group. Now, in mega churches, in these big, you know, thousand-person churches, even a couple of hundred, uh, uh, there's been, a, you know, a, a kind of a fad. It's, it shouldn't be a fad. It actually should have been this all around, all along. We're working on it here with this church to get this together. But small groups are what makes churches thrive. What makes God's ministry thrive in the people of the church. Sunday, it's good to hear for just a few minutes from the pastor, but it's even more important. For us to get together in small groups and we grow together in the Lord and support each other and help each other stay accountable. Even better than that, the first small group should be in your house, Dad. Lead your families, learn about the Lord together. Number three, the wife was made for her husband and is called to submit to him. The world has a problem with that. God does not, and I want to tell you why. But first, go to Ephesians 
Actually, we're going to read these quickly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Hopping over to, or skipping a verse, and then going to Ephesians 20, uh, 5, 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit, and every, uh, submit to everything to their husbands. In everything to their husbands. Okay? Modern society takes a look at this, and, and, and they think submitting is a terrible, terrible word. You see, you see women that are, that are, that are uh, uh, independent and that are leading their family. As a matter of fact, did you know society looks down on women now that bear children? Women, should, women are good enough to be in the workforce with the best of the men. I don't disagree with that. But women are supposed to be answering to their husbands. Now this is important. In the splendor of everything created, something was still missing. Now as wives, you're being submissive to your husbands. Think about this. God created the heavens and the earth, the stars, the sun, the animals that we're to have control over, that they're there for our pleasure. And then he built man. And of everything we have God saw that we were not complete 1 Corinthians 11:9 neither was a man created for a woman but a woman for a man men and all his majesty and authority assigned to them from heaven we are not complete without our women so don't think of yourselves women as a subject you are supposed to submit to your husband. But your father, your husband, has the calling. Fathers, you have the calling to serve your wives. I like to say around my house that I am the head of the household, but my wife is the neck. I trust her. I trust her with my children. I trust her with other people's children. Women, you are like diamonds and crowns. As you are supposed to submit to us, we are supposed to honor you with the utmost respect. Relationships between men and women are three-way relationships. It's between man, woman, and God. So men, we're tasks, tasked to take control of our families. Women are tasked to be, to be submissive to their husbands but we must take care of them. It's our job. Men are instructed in Ephesians to just that. Ephesians 5.25, and I'll take for a second for you to turn there because this is very important. And while you're turning there, who knows the most submissive person in the universe? Jesus. And everything he did, he came to do his Father's will. With as much power that Jesus had, he still knew that he, there was an authority that he answered to. Ephesians 5, 25-29. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the, world, through the word. Sorry. And to present her 
to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is what I want us to focus on men. 28, verse 28, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does for the church. Men, you're in charge. Women, you're submissive. But it goes right back to you men. We treat our wives with respect and love and the piece of fine jewelry that they are. Number four, children are a blessing. Sometimes as a dad, I have a hard time realizing that my children are a blessing. But I promise you they are. Of the 613, by the way, of the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, and there are uh, 1,050 of these commandments in the New Testament, the very first commandment in Scripture relates to our children. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Furthermore, Scripture continues to tell us how precious our children are. Psalm 127, verse 3 and 5 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior and children born in one in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Julian in the back, running the sound and the computer and the cameras, you are a blessing. Thank you, son. Thank you. And if we're not quite keeping up on the screen, that's what we have notes for, and that's also what we have grace for. But thank you for your hard work, son. I appreciate you. Fathers, Oh, I jumped ahead of myself. Number five, parents, train up your children. Teach your children. This goes for you, Denali, but it also goes to Bill in the back. The, the youngest and the close to oldest of us, Tim, I guess, would take the cake there. We continue to train our children. Train them in the ways of the Lord. Fathers, you are the first voice in your children's lives. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate or provoke to anger your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And since, we're, uh, and since I called uh, Bill the second out, I'll also compliment Bill. I get to work with his son, also named Bill. Try to stay, keep up. <laughs> I call him Bill Jr. because that's the only two Bills I know. But I've worked with Bill Jr., Bill the third, several times. And in the things that he does and the ways that he talks and the help that he is, I look at him and I see his father's love. I see a man that was brought up right and knowing what the fear of the Lord is. Our children, by the way, now this, this is important. Our children are under attack. And let me repeat 
for those in the cheap seats. Our children are under attack. My wife and I are talking about Netflix right now. We're seriously considering uh, not subscribing to Netflix anymore. We found children's programming that is earmarked for children and safe for children to watch. We walked in as our kids are watching it, and it's showing that it's okay, and sometimes that, that children, or that a son or a daughter can have three dads. And that is masked and painted up like it's okay for children. Tell me that the enemy isn't attacking our foundation. Steadfast, fathers. Pay attention to what your kids are watching. There's a movie that I want to bring Julian to go watch, and I can't even take him to watch that movie. And I'll tell you what it is. It's called Lightyear. You guys remember Toy Story? Lightyear is out right now, and it looks great. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't take my son. You know why? Because the leading lady in this movie pointed towards children, has a scene where she's kissing another woman. Fathers, protect your children. Our kids, as they're growing up, they don't know how to spell things sometimes. But I want to teach you, Dad, how to spell something. How do you spell love? It's spelled T-I-M-E. If you don't know anything else to do to raise your child, spend time with your kids. Bill, spend time with your grandkids. I know Bill, uh, every Thursday, takes his son. His, his son and him meet up and they go have dinner together. I know others of you that do the same thing. You want to you you tell your kid you love him, you tell him. You want to show your kid you love him, spend time with them. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Number six, and we're almost done. Children are called to obey and honor their parents. Now there's a misconception, and I know you all have heard it, and we have even said it, and I am guilty of saying it. I'm preaching to myself. I'm teaching myself here. There's a saying that says, oh, kids will be kids. Kids will be kids. Hey, let them, let them do their things. The kids will be kids. That's a worldly view and not a godly view. Be there for your children. Show them. Show them the ways of the Lord. We give them grace, but we also teach them what grace is. My son, and, and son, I won't get too personal with the rest of the church, but my son did something a while back, and he deserved the biggest butt whooping. And we were, we were nose to nose, and I said, boy, you are not too old for whipping. I don't want to offend anyone here, but he assumed the position, and I pulled my belt back, and I hit my shoe as hard as I could, and he was crying, and I said to my son, son, that's grace. You deserved to have some leather on your backside, but you also deserve to know what it means to experience grace, because that's what our Father in heaven gave us, is grace. Moms, don't get mad at your pastor because he, whip, he used to whip his kids. Understand that grace. <laughs> We're not going to talk about in the Bible where it says, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, 
Another word that society has interjected in our children's lives is the word adolescence. That's that period between 13 and some of us 30. Where, again, you'll think that kids will be kids, but if you think about it, from the time of Adam and Eve to the 1930s, it was very common for, for, for boys to grow up quickly to become men and for girls to grow up quickly to become women. It wasn't until after the 1930s we introduced adolescence. And we let them on their way. We let them go make their mistakes. And, and we're just there to catch you when you fall. I'm not saying that we have to become helicopter parents or helicopter grandparents. But what I am saying is keep the word of God rich in their lives. Between 13 and 16, we have an epidemic of women getting pregnant. One of my close friends, Teresa, you've never met her. She's back from Louisiana. One of my close friends... She got pregnant when she was 12 years old. Adolescence is a worldly view, not a godly view. Will our kids go into some kind of transition as, as puberty hits and things happen? Yes. But we are there with them to guide them and show them the ways of the Lord. We need to set the expectation early in their life that children are to follow the word, not to follow the world. Amen? Families. Look at this one here. And this is probably one of the most important things to consider. Families, and this is the last one, seven. Families should have a multi-generational vision. In the book of Exodus chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. I get two things. Generation to generation. And also consider, consider that nearly a dozen times in Scripture, God referred, is referred to as the father of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. Now, there's a couple of reasons for this, but let's focus on one today. God's plan did not end with Adam or with Abraham. God has a multi-generational plan for our lives. Now, what does that mean, Dad? We raise our children as high as we can take them, but our ceiling should be their floor. And we do not leave them when they marry and have children or when they marry again and have more children. We walk beside them. You as a father, you are tasked with a multi-generational vision of stewardship to God for your children. Your ceiling, as far as you could take them, should be their floor. You should give them a launching pad for success because it's not over with them because now they have children and they're to bring them to their ceiling. And their ceiling should be their kid's floor and so on and so forth. You want to save our country? Start with the foundation. Now, sometimes, and I'm saying this in closing, Sometimes we don't know what to do as dads. And I remember when Julian was born, every time he made the least little peep, 
I'd shoot up out of bed. Son, are you okay? Every little time. And there are many times I don't know what in the world to do. I have a beautiful little girl, Evangeline. And she is so smart and so caring. I'm going to enter another time in my life where I don't know what to do. As a pastor, I won't, I won't know to pray for her boyfriend or to try to kill him. <laughs> Men, we don't have to have all the answers, but we know who does. So I want to end uh, with this story. I probably have more frequent flyer miles than anyone in this building. At some point, I was pretty good at business. I own six of them. And you might see me driving a bunch of different cars, and I promise you this is not on a pastor's salary. At some point, I was good with money. I am not anymore. Well, maybe I am. But I, I would fly a lot, and, and I, was, I was going to uh, Alaska. And I met this man, and he was a pastor, and it was in the, it was in the Delta Sky Lounge. And he said, why don't you refund your ticket? I need to go, uh, I need to, go to Alaska, too. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a little two-seater plane. He said, why don't you ride with me? And I thought, okay, he's a pastor. I don't know if he's a pilot, but he's got a plane. <laughs> Let's give it a go. So we go out there, and I look at the plane, getting a little bit more nervous when I see this plane. He apparently bought that on a pastor's salary because there's more <laughs> duct tape on it. <laughs> <laughs> then it was on those Coke bottles. So we get in the plane and we take off. And we're having a good conversation. And at some point, 20,000 feet, I don't know, in the air, he says, uh-oh. He said, I'm sorry to tell you this. I didn't expect this to happen, but I can't fly through these clouds. So we hit the clouds, and this pastor, pilot, Pilot, pastor, I don't know who he is anymore. He passes out. I get on the radio. Well, I shake him. I punch him a little. He's out. He's out cold. I don't know how many feet we are in the air. And I grab the radio. I don't know any of the lingo except for help. I know, <laughs> I know what help is. And a voice comes on the other side, and it's, it's a flight controller. Who are those people that are in the towers, Tom? Air traffic controllers? Yeah. And he says, I'm, uh, I'm Dave. I'm, I'm Anchorage Air Traffic Control. What's the problem? I said, I said, our pilot is passed out. I can't wake him up, and I don't know what to do. And he says, whatever you do next... Listen to my voice. He says, I talk to people all the time, and they don't listen to me, and they will die. Listen to my voice. And he guides me step by step into pulling that plane down. And he keeps telling me before he gives me a direction. He says, listen to my voice. I don't know how it happened, but we land that plane I didn't know how to fly that plane, but someone else did. We don't always have all of the answers, Father, Dad, but we know someone who does. 
And if I could ask you anything today, as the praise team comes on up to sing, if I could ask you for anything, if I can beg you for anything, listen to that voice. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to that voice. He will never let us fail as long as we listen to his voice. Amen? Amen. Men of the church, and Phyllis will start playing as soon as she sits down, why don't every man that's capable of doing so, come meet me in the front. Every man that's capable, come meet me in the front. Paul, you too. Come on, Paul. Come meet me right here, just in the middle of the aisle. And you can just come to the end of the aisle if you want. Men, we have a task to take care of our families, to love our wives. If we hadn't find one, found one yet, God will give us one. If we've lost our wives, God knows. And if you're a man here and you're not a dad, I guarantee you that some part of your life, someone looks up to you like you are a father. Women, right where you're sitting, would you lift your hands towards our men in this church? And I want to ask a blessing and ask a prayer over our men. So, Bill, you can be the best man. Continue to be the best man that you can be. I'm so proud of what you're doing with your children, your son. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Tom and for Bill and for the rest of the men that are here. Thank you for rearing them in the ways of the Lord. Thank you for letting them know that you're there. And God, we can be gentle to our women, but you have strict commandments to us. You have directions to give us. Be the fathers that I've called you to be. In Jesus' name, I ask that you be with every man here, every man here, every husband, every father, and you give them that strength to be a father, to continue to be a father, to father your children, to father your grandchildren, to father the kid down the street that doesn't have a father. Men, Jesus, we have a special assignment. Please help us carry that out. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and all of the women of the room, can you say amen? Men, amen. Amen. Let it be in Jesus' name. Thank you Hallelujah. all. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, we're going to close in song, and we'll have one more prayer. Please stand.
Just see.